The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. So patiently you waited. And now I hope that what I bring to you will serve as some kind of reward. Hello. Happy Monday. October the 18th, NBA season starts tomorrow, which means today is D-Bombs Day. It's a little silly that the acronym D-Bombs has become a little bit of a thing, and then the fact that I'm yelling it kind of feels like I gave myself a nickname, and those are the biggest losers. But anyway, uh, it exists, and it's the Dan Bespris Old Man Squad, and I admit I, I picked it because, or I arranged the letters that way, because it I thought bombs, having the word bombs in it was kind of a fun acronym. And today's the day. Uh, I also promised a couple of listeners that I would get into my season win totals just ever so briefly on today's podcast. I'm not going to do a whole long segment on it, but I wanted to get you guys my favorites, and I thought we could do that as well. So a very busy Monday on tap. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris, of the Dan Bespris Old Man Squad. And you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. No fantasy player deep dive at the front end today because we've got too many things to cover. We're going to do the D-bombs first because I think most of you guys came for that. We'll do the season win total very quick breakdown at the end of the show. Uh, Mostly because I have like eight favorites that I talked about on VEASAN with my buddy Gil Alexander and I just I wanted to very quickly at the end of today's show give you guys the reasoning on those. But let's jump right into the D-bombs. And uh, quickly, uh, everything I'm going to try to do today is is of the is a bit of a race. Because otherwise, this would be like an hour and 20-minute podcast. I'm going to try to do it in 45 minutes. There's my goal for the day. The Dan Bespris Old Man Squad was named largely because, for a long time, the players that were on the list were old. In general. They're not going to be 100% old because what it really is, if we wanted to give this list the most accurate name possible, I'm guessing there's at least a handful of you tuning into today's show that are like, what the hell are you talking about, Dan? What's the Dan Vespers old man squad? Effectively, this is the list of players that I believe to be getting drafted way too late. And the reason tends to be the same. Lack of flash. That's kind of where the name the Dan Bespris Old Man Squad came from. A lot of the times, the guys that don't have flash are older basketball players where their fantasy numbers are just sort of pleasantly locked in. You can call them the set-your-watch guys. You could call them the boring fantasy game guys. You could call them the guys where the upside doesn't jump off the page. But it was just easier to call them the old men of fantasy basketball. And it kind of took on a little bit of a life of its own over the last three or four years to the point where now people are like, oh, is this guy a member of the old man squad? I'm like, all right, I guess I got to actually physically make this list up because as we were previous years, actually, I think last year was the first time I actually made an official 
old man squad list. Prior to that, two seasons back, I just was like, look, this is another guy who's falling too far, probably just because he's old. But in effect, these are guys that are falling too far because they're just not interesting. So it's the Dan Vespers not so interesting squad. The DBNSIS, not so NSIS, the DBNSIS, DBNSIS. That doesn't flow quite like the D-bombs do. Last year, I also realized as I was putting together the list, an official list for the first time, that I kind of needed three categories. And so those carry over now to this season. There's the before 100 ADP free fallers, which I believe I mentioned when I was kind of previewing this stuff over the weekend. The risky roto per game guys. And the after 100 mega upside dudes. You'll also notice that the risky roto per game plays are probably the most traditional of the old man squad. Those dudes are old and brittle, but they work great for games cap roto formats. The before 180p free fallers are really the Dan Vesper super not super interesting lineup. Aside from a couple of names in there. Again, it's not, this is, nothing's 100%. And then the after 100 ADP upsiders. Last year, I called them the young players, young and interesting or young and something. Um, and this year, it's actually a blend of just late guys. And Yahoo's uh, completely detonating the value on some of these guys. Their latest rearrange, thanks you jerks at Yahoo, has moved a bunch of these guys up the board. So the value's not quite as high, but we went by ADP. So that's where we'd kick off. So we'll dive right into the before 180p free fallers. I think that makes the most sense. This is the biggest part of the list. I'm not going to do a two or three minute breakdown on every player on this entire list because, and I haven't counted this before coming on air, I'm trying to do it while I'm speaking to you guys. There are something like 17 or 18 of these guys. There's only four Risky Roto guys. Risky Roto. (laughs) Risky Roto. I I don't know what that sounds like. Sounds like the name of a a biker bar. Uh, And then the after 180p guys, there are seven of those. So we're we're talking about about roughly 30 players total on this list. And if I'm really trying to do today's show in 45 minutes and talk about season win totals, we're not going to be able to do it. And we're not going to be able to do more than about a minute per player. So roughly a minute per player. That's what the D-bombs is. Sorry to those of you that have been listening for a long time, and you already know, a few thousand of you, they're like, uh, get to it, Dan. And then the rest of you are like, oh, cool, this is something new. I needed to explain what it was. Was important, needed to do it. Talked about this first guy a million times. By the way, this is going to be organized by ADP, not by where I have them in my final rankings. The ADP is the, the classifier here. Jimmy Butler, earliest ADP among any... Uh, before 100 free fallers, as we call them. His ADP is around 20. Yahoo had moved him up the board. So, yes, that was a number that was kind of on the rise. But, again, we're talking about a guy that was number 8 last season on a per-game basis. And pretty much anywhere he's been, when he's been the guy in charge, he's been around number 10. That's probably going to stick. Can he get to 68 games played? This year. That's the big question for me on Jimmy Butler because he could look at number eight on a per game basis. If he misses 14 games, it makes him a pretty tough guy to have in a head to head league. Uh, But he's still a second rounder at that point. So he's still someone that I think beats his mark 
even if he's not super healthy. I have uh, Jimmy's per game rank at nine on my board, and I have his totals rank at around 11 or 12. So I'm good with him on the turn, and he's going towards the end of the second round, which I realize doesn't sound like a big numerical jump, eight spots basically from like 20 to 12. But the difference of 20 to 12, remember, is the same as the difference between 20 going the other way and 54. So everybody's like, oh, can I get somebody in the fifth round who's more like a second rounder? Yeah, that's great. But getting a second rounder who's a first rounder is also really, really good. Probably just as important, if not more so. Bam Adebayo is my next guy on the list. His ADP is actually just behind 20. He's a little bit of a different one because we've talked before. His per-game mark is probably right on the nose. His ADP is almost right neck and neck with where he's going to be on a per-game basis. Bam this year is probably going to be around number 18, 19, or 20. But he is the Iron Man of the NBA. The fact, again, that he only missed 10% of his team's games last year, despite the bubble run, the injuries, COVID, all that stuff. Insane! He had no business playing 64 ball games when all of his team was just, like, was dropping around him. Remember when Miami had, like, four guys they were running out for a month last year? So I have Bam actually beating Butler by totals, even though Jimmy's per-game stuff is much better. It makes Jimmy a much more interesting guy in Roto, as we've talked about before. But totals, Adebayo in the second round, he, he's going to smoke it. He'll be a first-rounder by totals this year. I feel pretty confident in saying that. Not like solidified number five, number six type first-rounder, but he'll be, I would think, in that 9 to 12 range by totals. Almost for sure. And Rudy Gobert is the next one on the list who's not thought all that far behind Bam. I actually budgeted for Rudy to miss more like five or six games this season his ADP, probably two or three slots behind his per-game marker. Remember, Gobert was number 22 last year per game. He probably repeats that, and his ADP is about 25 this year, so it's not that far off. But again, this is a guy who's missed, what are we at now, like seven games in his last three full seasons combined? And I know people are healthy until they're not. They're injured until they're not. But Rudy does a hell of a job of staying on the floor. And so five or six missed ball games. I mean, maybe I'm overshooting there. I have him at number 15 by totals. Michael Porter Jr., not at all an old man, probably taking a hit because of his stance on vaccinations. And it's weird for me to say this because you know, I generally disagree with his stance, but it has created something of a value bubble on him. MPJ was number 27 last year on a per-game basis, second half of the season, or basically like the, the no-Jamal era. He was inside the top 20. He's probably not going to shoot 54% and hit three three-pointers a game this year, but even if he hovers in the 51% range, it knocks down one of his nice positives. But I also think he shoots better than 79% at the free-throw line this season, probably more of them, and he probably scores more than 19 points a game. I really don't know for sure why he's not moving up the board faster. You know, second half of last season, he, he was at 23-7 and seven on 56% from the field and 84% at the free throw line. Yeah, the 56 isn't going to hold. 84 could. And also, uh, his steals and blocks were sort of just a, a hair on the low side, but, like, this is a guy who's going to score in the 20s. He is hyper-efficient, and that's probably why, because people just don't like percentages, and 
those are two of his best categories. And people are like, oh, if I take MPJ in the second round, I have to punt assists. No, you don't. He gets one and a half. He'll probably get closer to two this year. Who cares? Who cares? If you've got him on top of Jokic in the first round or Harden in the first round, you don't have to punt assists. No one guy in the early rounds forces you to do anything basically besides Giannis. It's like, oh, well, I have to do this now. No, Giannis is the only one that's that big of a negative in any one statistical category. But let's keep moving because we got to go one minute per player today. Chris Paul, how the hell did it happen again? I don't know. And I, so I don't want to do this discussion for like the 50th time on the pod, but I will. I wasn't planning on drafting Chris Paul for a third straight year. He's been our big cash cow for two seasons in a row. Chris Paul has been the third-round pick we've had on this podcast on almost every single roster that's basically, like, as long as you didn't completely screw up your first two picks, if you went decent, decent Chris Paul the last two years, your team probably won money in a Roto League. That's how important he's been because he's been an early first-rounder out of the third round for two years in a row basically now. And so I thought, all right, well, finally people are going to start believing in him again. And then they didn't. And he's still going in the 30s. Yahoo moved him up to 26, and then nobody bought it. So they moved him back down to 29. So they could look like, oh, we weren't the ones who went too high. But they finally were getting it closer to right. Trust yourself, Yahoo. You almost had it. Chris Paul was number 13 on a per-game basis the second half of last year, shooting a uh, not sustainable 53% from the field. But he's awesome. They'll rest him a little bit more, so his totals won't be quite as high. Per game, I have him at 19. Totals, I also have him at 19, which beats his ADP by a full round. Drew Holiday, falling like a boulder. ADP of 41.6. I don't know really how much we need to say about this. When he was right around number 20 the whole year last season, almost no random fluctuations. He was one of the most consistent players in fantasy last year on a week-to-week basis. It was just like... He's number 20 to 25 range every week. And the Bucks get him crazy open looks. So his efficiency is awesome. His assists, his steals, he gets blocks from the point guard spot. He's going to be tired. That's the downside here. So by totals, I actually do have him playing fewer than the average number of games. So maybe I should have put him in the risky roto category. But he's getting drafted uh, halfway through the fourth round. And his per-game floor is probably the late mid-third. Like, his floor is around ahead of where he's getting drafted. So all he has to do is stay even remotely healthy, and he beats his ADP. As such is the case of the guy behind him, actually the next two guys, Tobias Harris uh, and Clint Capella. Tobias drafted at 42 also, just like Holiday. Capella at 44. This this still just doesn't fully add up. So we get it. Uh, ben Simmons is probably back. And for Tobias Harris, his usage in the second half of last year was down a little bit. He also wasn't fully healthy the second half of last year. Kind of a weird little phenomenon for Harris. But he was number 28 on a per-game basis last season. I put this list together back when Simmons looked like he was going to get traded. I think you can make the adjustment. Harris probably more like a mid-30s per-game guy with Simmons around this year. Uh, But I also expect him to be the super durable iteration of Tobias, not in the era of COVID where everybody's schedule gets mushed in 
together. So per game, probably 32, 33. Totals, probably around 20. He becomes a really nice head-to-head option. And then with Capella, he's kind of the flip side of that. Clint was just very good on a per-game basis all season last year at 26, two slots ahead of Tobias Harris. His value holds because his role stays the same, and he wasn't doing anything that was really outside of his normal fare, uh, but he's not as healthy as Harris. Capella's coming into camp with a sore Achilles, and they'll be monitoring that the whole season. I expect him to miss about a dozen ball games. So for Capella, uh, per game 25, totals 31. Rashawn Holmes, who has a, an ADP of 45.2. This is very much another boring guy, just like Capella, just like Tobias. I mean, the list of boring goes on and on here. But Holmes was number 33 on a per-game basis last year. The job remains his. He could get better. He only took 9.4 shots per game last season. I could see his free throw stroke getting 1% or 2% better also, even though that was sort of a net neutral for him. Uh, this is a guy who's continuing to work on his game, continuing to improve, trying to stay out of foul trouble, so there's a chance maybe he even does a little bit more. He's a layup where he's getting drafted in the late fourth. Per game, I have him at 33, totals 32. I think he plays right around the league average number of games, which this year is probably going to be about 71 or 72. I have this guy on the list because his ADP still hasn't moved, and that's OG Ananobi, whose ADP is 51. We've talked him into the ground on this podcast because in every expert draft I've done, he's gone at like 37. And I've said, that's probably too early for me. I have his per game ranking at about 30 or 31. I think Toronto is going to get their guys hurt like they always do. So by totals, I have OG actually a little bit behind that, right around 37, where he's been getting drafted. But if his ADP still really is 51, and that still really is where he's going in your league as a late fourth, early fifth, hell yeah, dive in face first. And this one also feels wrong to me. Also not an old guy. Jaron Jackson Jr., who is fully in post-hype mode this season. ADP of 52.9. I have his per-game rank at 28. Early third. Totals 40. I think he misses 14 or 15 games this year. But again, for a guy like myself who plays mostly Roto, that's a no-brainer. I mean, to get a guy... Now we're starting to talk about the mid-fifth round, who I think is going to be... Like, there's a chance JJJ gets into the late second round on a per-game basis this year. If things break his way, if the field goal percent comes up a little bit, he could be number 24 at the end of the season per game. He probably won't hit that mark by totals, and I don't care. Because it's that Chris Paul phenomenon from the last two seasons. He's getting drafted way back of where his per-game target should be. So then all we need is moderate health, not even good, and he breaks his ADP. He busts right through it. Uh, Michael Bridges, uh, an ADP of 60.6. This is fully, this is like a traditional old man squad kind of guy who doesn't do any one thing extraordinarily well, but is just an excellent fantasy player, especially for 9-cat. Last year, 14 points, four boards, two assists, two threes, a steal, a block, 54 from the field, 84 at the free throw line, almost no turnovers per game. He was just sort of league average or a little bit better to slightly more than that better in pretty much every category besides rebounding, and he's going to replicate that. Does he play in all 
I mean, last year he played all 72. Does he play in all 82 games this year? No, but he was number 44 per game last season, and he's getting drafted in the 60s. What the hell? Draymond Green at 61.4. We did a whole segment on him a few days ago on the podcast, so I'm not going to repeat it. But look, he was a second-rounder the second half of last year, and he's going to have to play his ass off this season to keep Golden State from uh, hunting that dirty play-in tournament where they got knocked out. So expect maximum Draymond as much as you can get this season. I have his per-game rank in the early 40s, and his totals rank basically right next to it. I think he does still miss about 10 games because, look, he's not a young pup anymore. But this is another dude whose ADP is a solid one to two rounds behind his per-game averages. It doesn't make any sense. It's like everybody remembers his very slow start last year when they were trying to shoehorn he and James Wiseman into the same lineups. Warriors have learned from that. They're going pace and space this year again. Derek White at 72.8. Not an old man, a forgotten man. He's a post-type guy on this list. I like Derek White a lot, especially at this value. This is now the beginning of the seventh round. I would happily take him earlier than that. I love his game. His effective field goal percent was way down last year. His regular field goal percent was way down. But a lot of that, I believe, was injury-related. He's going to see a big uptick in usage this year alongside DeJounte Murray. That's the guy everybody's bidding up while everybody's kind of forgetting about Derek White. Per game, I think White finishes between 50 and 60. Totals, he'll probably miss a dozen games, so that leaves him in that same pocket. But we're still talking about one to two rounds of value on a guy who's just sort of forgotten after... I mean, when he started to break out two seasons back... He was set to be the darling, and then he got hurt, and I think we've all forgotten. Norman Powell, ADP of 88. Um, He'll be better than that this year. His fantasy game is a little bit limited. He sort of points threes and steals, but he's also good in efficiency. Field goal percent with Toronto was excellent. It uh, came back a bit with Portland. I think he settles into a better role this year with the Blazers, a little more of a comfort level. Great foul shooter. Just a really nice, scoring, efficient player you can get in the late mid-rounds. Doesn't help you in rebounds assists. That's one of the little downsides on him. But again, from a straight value standpoint, 88 on a per-game basis is very much his floor. So almost nothing but upside with him. He's also shown himself to be relatively durable. He was kind of the one Raptor that was left standing when everybody else was hurt last season. This was pre-trade. 69 out of 72 ball games last year. No reason not to think he's going to be relatively healthy again. I have him near 50 by totals. So a terrific head-to-head guy. And that's the same story for the next dude. Andrew Wiggins, uh, whose fantasy game I actually don't like very much, but has been one of the toughest nuts in the NBA for years. Apparently he's like a crazy health nut. And I guess that was the reasoning behind not wanting the vaccine is that he just like didn't want to put any foreign substance into his body. You know what's weird? I almost, I'm not going to get into a long discussion on that, but like it's a little bit wacky, but it, it makes more sense than some of the other explanations I've heard. He's just like, oh, I'm not going to put anything in myself besides like a plant I rip up out of the ground and chew raw. Okay, so you're just a goofball. In any event, he got the vax at the end of it all. So he's, he's set to play in all of the Warriors games. Um, good. That's good for Wiggins. It's good for the Warriors. Cool, cool. He played in 71 of their 72 games last season. Clay Thompson not around probably until January. Wiggins, good field goal percent. 
last season alongside Steph, that's always going to help. Free throw percent is always one of his little downsides. But steals, blocks, some boards, some assists, good scoring. He's upped his three-pointers lately. And again, there's a toughness factor there where, like, if he's getting into most of their ball games and he's rolling along at a mid-80s clip, which is where he's being drafted, in a head-to-head league, that's going to really elevate his totals. He's very much the, uh, the poster child for a late mid-round safety blanket in head-to-head league drafts. I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd pursue him in Roto very much because that free throw percent is annoying for a guy who does, like, take shots and take free throws. But by totals last year, Andrew Wiggins was number 49. That's really useful in head-to-head league. Someone who's just there every game. Underrepresented part of fantasy. The head-to-head non-zeros. And Kelly Olynyk, ADP of 100. I have him around number 70 on a per-game basis. I don't know what the hell is going to happen at the end of this year, so there's a little bit of a head-to-head risk. Detroit potentially benching anyone on that team who's older than, like, 24 as they basically did last season, played their guys like one out of every four ball games. Um, so for Olenek, I have his totals ranked closer to 80, 85 per game higher than that. But I love his fantasy game. We've been all over Olenek forever. You guys sort of started calling me the Kelly Olenek guy, and when he broke out in Houston, that was cool. I, you guys were giving me accolades on something, and I was like, but like, what, what did I do? We, you know, we were on him too early. I get it. I sort of got it in that moment. Why do fantasy analysts always want to be the first person to say something? Because people remember that. But that's generally not what we do with this podcast, and it's generally not the way I play fantasy sports. I'm very rarely the first person on someone or the guy who's, like, sticking with the player even when it's not working out the way that we kind of were with Olenek, where he was right on the cusp for so long and then kablammo just unlocked all of it in Houston. So analysts, a lot of analysts just do that all the time. They're like, oh yeah, go pick up this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. And those guys are all horrible for like five months and and change. And then they're great for like three weeks. And everybody remembers it because they were the guy to call it. That's not our game here. We want to get out to quick starts. So we want guys you don't have to wait on for half the year. I'm in hyper competitive league. So I can't be sitting on dudes all season long. And so this podcast is rarely going to be the one that makes the call in October of the guy you want to have on your team in March. We make the calls in October for the guys you want on your team in October. It is what it is. It's part of being the boring guy in fantasy. All right, that's your before 180p free fallers. Let's do some risky roto per game plays. What are we, about 25 minutes in? I'm running behind here. Risky Roto per game plays. I'm going to give you all four of them right now, and then I'll kind of explain the reasoning behind the collective. Kristaps Porzingis, Kemba Walker, Mike Conley, Al Horford. I'm sure you guys sense a pattern here. Porzingis, always hurt. Kemba Walker, balking knees. Mike Conley, set to get rest days. Al Horford, probably going to get rest days, although we've heard from the Celtics they're going to try to minimize those this year. Horford's only on this list because his ADP is 110. That's crazy late. He doesn't have a ton of upside. I love Al. I love Big Al, but he's not going to go, you know, 55 range like he was pushing. He was higher than that for a little bit in Oklahoma City last year. His role is just not going to be that big, but he's going to play probably 26, 27, maybe even 28 minutes with the Celtics, probably like 26 and a half, 27. And that should be good enough for him to get into that 80 to 85 range on a per game basis. 
But he's not going to play every game. Even if they say they want him to, he's not. Mike Conley should be around number 60 on a per-game basis. His ADP is 88, but he's going to miss 16 games, so his totals rank is near 88. These are guys where their totals rank is actually going to be pretty close to their ADP, but their per-game rank is way higher, just assuming 16-plus games on the shelf. Kemba, ADP 86.3 per game, probably right behind Conley at about 63-64. Totals rank in the 80s. My favorite, oddly enough, of this entire bunch is Porzingis. Basically because the only, he's the only one of these four guys who's still young. That's it. That's the reason. There's still a fleeting outside chance that Kristaps Porzingis plays in all but like 11 ballgames this year. For Kemba, Conley, Horford, maybe Horford gets to within 11 games, but like, who cares because his upside isn't that big. Kemba, Conley, no way. Their teams don't even want him to shoot for that. Dallas, I think, would love for Porzingis to shoot for playing 71-72 ballgames this year. And so there is a 5, 10, 15% chance he gets to that mark. So that creates that small amount of built-in upside that makes him a really interesting late fourth rounder for me. It's one of the reasons, actually, that... All the issues we're having with the late second, early third, it does kind of come full circle because the late fourth, early fifth has a lot of guys like this in that same range. We were talking about them just a minute ago with the free fallers. Um, Drew going too late, Harris going too late, Capella, Holmes, Ananobi, JJJ, all those guys going in this range somehow. And yet, of all of those guys... In a, in a roto games-capped format where, assuming I've taken pretty safe guys my first, second, and third rounds, I'm actually very good with Porzingis at like 47, 48, even 46 or 45 because on a per-game basis, he could hunt 20. Which I don't know if there's any, any of those other guys that we talked about can get to that level. Rashawn's not going to get to 20. Capella's not going to get there. Tobias isn't going to get there. Drew has a shot, but he's generally going early fourth as opposed to late fourth. JJJ, he's got an outside shot. He and Porzingis actually fall into a similar bucket for me of just that type of unicorny. We've we've coined the we've coined the term unicorn for that type of player. Big man who can shoot threes, block shots. Porzingis is a better rebounder because he's, you know, seven foot a million and JJJ is like 6'9". Um, JJJ probably a little stronger. Presumably his body holds up a little better this year, but, we, you know, we don't know. So those are the risky Roto per game plays. I don't know that I'd suggest these dudes in head-to-head. Um, Horford probably your closest thing to someone you could go head-to-head, but even that is... Uh, probably not on the board. These are guys I think I'd only go on the Roto side. And now finally, the after 180p Upsiders, where Yahoo has obliterated the value on a couple of these guys. Daniel Gafford, when I put this together at an ADP of 108.1, Yahoo's moved him up to like number 80 on their pre-rank board, so that's all gone. Um, So no, I'm not taking him. I don't think I'm taking him at 80. I think they've screwed it up for us. I guess we'll see if he gets pushed back a little bit or if people are reticent about making those that move mid-seventh round. But I don't, I don't think I can go that direction mid-seventh round. 
Larry Nance Jr., ADP of 127. He should go in the risky roto per game plays. I put him in the wrong heading, but he's so late that I thought I'd drop him into this bucket. That's a dude who's probably going to go top 75 per game this year and play in 60 out of 82 ball games. So, yeah, much better roto pick, much better roto guy. But, damn, he's going to smash that ADP on a per-game basis. Mo Bamba. We've been on Mo Bamba. I'm, okay, that's the one I want to continue to try to take credit for. You know, we're late on almost everybody on this show. As I just talked about a second ago, we're very rarely the early ones. But we were talking Bamba up the whole freaking offseason. And nobody believed us until the stupid preseason came along and messed it up. A thing that means nothing. But Bamba looked great, just like he did at the end of last year when everybody was like, oh, well, they're going Wendell Carter Jr. exclusively. And I was like, nah, man, that's a timeshare. And Bamba's the way better per-game guy. And now here we are. Another guy that just got shifted up. I think Yahoo re-ranked him to like 105. That blows up that one, too. He's also going to get hurt at some point this year because it's Mo Bamba. You can grab him in Roto at 105, uh, but not head-to-head. Now, the other guys on this list, I don't think they've had their ADPs moved around too much. I like TJ McConnell, ADP of 127.7, super durable. He was in that 75 to 80 range uh, most of last year. Better than that when guys were out. Karis LeVert, out. TJ Warren, out. Malcolm Brogdon, always hurt, but not out yet. McConnell's got a great role. I look for him to be right back in that same 80 range per game hyper-durable. He was inside the top 50 last year by totals. Uh, No reason to think he can't get pretty close to that again this year, and he's getting drafted in the 11th round. Daniel Tice is an interesting one, Um, and I get it. People don't want to go Tice because he's definitely not going to play much late in the season, but also getting off to a super quick start is useful in any fantasy format, and so why not take a guy who could squeeze out like a top 80 start to the year and then fine in January February if things start to get dialed back two or three months in okay whatever you kick him to the curb but at this point of your draft basically like he's his ADP is 142.1 but I like I'm not even seeing him getting drafted in some spot so maybe it's more like an ADP of 150 160 if you can find a guy there who gives you a couple of months of good production that's good D'Anthony Melton, okay, yeah, his ADP is getting messed up a little bit. He's going earlier now. ADP of 145.1. I've seen him generally going more in the 115 range. Uh, Should get off to a nice start with no Dylan Brooks. What's going to happen when that team gets healthy? I don't know. Generally, we've seen Melton marginalized a little bit. But you got to have him to start the year. It's that same idea. And then finally, the man who just had to be on the Dan Bespris Old Man Squad, the guy who rounds out the Dan Bespris Old Man Squad. I'll tell you after this promo. Ha! See what I did there? Ah, yeah, I'm too quick. Too clever 30-something minutes into the show. Uh, promos today. One, follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Follow HoopBall on Twitter, at HoopBallFantasy. couple of new things this year. Uh, draft Guide buyers, B150 buyers. You guys have access to the HoopBall Discord until tomorrow. When the season tips, if you want to switch over to a fantasy pass at that point, there is no lock after opening night. So fantasy pass goes month to month. I will be hosting a discord every Monday. I actually just did it right before coming on air and recording this podcast. I'll be hosting a live chat, a live Q&A every Monday in discord. And we have different pros that are hosting a different live chat. 
uh, every day during the week. Right now, uh, Steve Vitovich, Adam King, Red Bauer, our Dynasty man, Marcus Braden, Brent Carlson are all locked in. You'll get visits from Alan Soroki, Santino Cacone, Mitch Casey of the Ball Boys, David Williams of our Grizzlies pod. All of these guys are going to be helping out, answering questions in Discord. You can get access to the best of the best of the best, the pros at HoopBall, and that's all included in the Fantasy Pass. Go check that out now, hoop-ball.com. Click on the Premium tab, and make sure to get into the Discord. A lot of you guys have a Fantasy Pass but aren't in Discord, and I don't understand that. Don't fear it, people. It's just a fancy name for a bunch of chat rooms all in one place. It's a ton of fun. Also, we're recruiting here at HoopBall. We need salespeople. If you're interested in getting involved on our sales side, writing for our fantasy division, podcasting, covering a team, or specifically also, in addition to salespeople, we really do need DFS contributors as we look to bulk up that operation at HoopBall. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Google Dan from HoopBall if you're having trouble finding me, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The last player on the D-bombs is Danny Green. You guys probably were going to guess it. One of the most underrated fantasy seasons I could possibly imagine came from Danny Green last year. By totals, number 52. 52. Dude played 69 out of 72 ball games. so yes, there was a bit of a totals bounce there. Um, But he was also number 88 on a per-game basis. Benefited a bit by games that... Uh, Tobias Harris missed, Ben Simmons missed, Joel Embiid missed. But 9.5 points, 3.8 rebounds, good defensive stats, some three-pointers, that's repeatable stuff for Danny Green. No reason to think he won't be right around the top 100 and durable again. Makes for a delectable last-round head-to-head grab, especially if your team is crappy in turnovers. Low turnovers guy, shores up a few categories without hurting you, um, and just doesn't do zeros useful fantasy no zeros and that's the d-bombs 2021 2022 season those are your d-bombs for uh this draft season hopefully you guys were able to pick up most of those names as we talked about guys throughout this offseason anyway but that's the list actually in order of adp as promised, a few of my favorite season win totals here before we wrap things up on today's podcast. I like the Celtics over 45 and a half. That was the number that came out. I was working off of Bet MGM's opening line. Celtics were ravaged by COVID and missed COVID games last year. They switched Kemba Walker for Al Horford. That's going to be very useful for their defense, and they're just going to be pissed, man. They only were uh, they only had 36 wins last year. Uh, the extra 10 games are against the Eastern Conference, so I would assume that that gets them probably another 6 out of those 10 wins. That gets them to 42. And 4 more wins from not having their entire team wiped out by a virus is very doable. They're going to be mad, and they're going to be playing hard. The Bulls under 42 and a half. I don't think anybody's going to agree with me on this one, but it's going to take that team a long time to come together. Um, last year, we had the over on the Bulls, and they cleared it. They were, aside from Levine missing three weeks with COVID late, pretty healthy, aside from Larry Markkinen, but I don't know how much that really impacted things. So here's the issue. Like, after the first 41 games this year, the Bulls are probably still going to be kind of figuring things out. I expect them to be in that 18 and 23 range. 
So to get to 43 wins at that point, they're going to have to basically go 25 and 16 the rest of the way, and I'm just not sure that happens. I back continuity. I tend to fade big changes on rosters and a lack of depth. And while I do like the Bulls, how they stack up by the end of the season, I think they'll win games down the stretch. I don't think they're going to win enough games early to get to this number uh, as they push probably into that seven, six, seven, eight range in the Eastern Conference. Mavericks, I like the over. I have no idea how that team got to 42 wins last season. Get them up to about 48 with the extra 10 games this year. And then, I don't know, remove the month where they lost their entire team in Denver to COVID. That Half that team just never left Denver. Remember that? It was literally Luka against the universe. And they lost a bunch of games in there. If, if those games equal out even a little bit, they clear this number. I have the Mavs actually over 50 wins this season, so this is one of my favorites. Warriors under 48 and a half. How the Warriors and the Mavs have the same number, I could not possibly guess. Klay Thompson not back probably until January. Otherwise, the Warriors probably, I mean, spacing-wise, they got a little bit better, but overall, they really didn't. Kelly Oubre gone, so that gets rid of someone who could at least, I mean, he had a bad season, but at least he could create a little bit. So it's Stephen Dre and Wiggins, but like, 49 wins? That's 16 games over 500 this year, folks. They won 39 last year. If you add another 5-ish to that, that only gets them to 44. I like. I don't see this team getting that much better season over season. They were also really healthy last year. Anything goes wrong, they don't get to that number. The Heat, over 48 and a half. This is another team that were just crushed by COVID. They're, last year, they won 40. That puts them on pace for about 46 this season. Pretty easy to see three more wins with Kyle Lowry coming back and the rest of the team getting a full offseason rest. That's an easy one. Suns, under 51 and a half. They proved what they needed to prove last year. They were also crazy healthy. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges. Those guys basically didn't miss any time. Uh, like a couple games each. I don't see that happening again after the very short offseason for them. This is a team that's going to be scuffling a bit with a, a playoff hangover. I have them going under. The Blazers I have going over 44 and a half. Uh, they finished on 42. So basically they just need to keep the same pace as last year and they'll be fine. And I think they're better. Norman Powell now with an offseason under his belt and some time to get used to his teammates. Larry Nance coming in is a nice addition, a proven Defensive center, Nurk, hopefully healthier. McCollum, hopefully healthier. Yeah, they should get this one. And it's kind of like Dame's last big big swing. So I think the other guys are going to play hard. And my uh, eighth favorite is the Raptors over 35 and a half. That's a low number. Um, this team still has a ton of talent, even with Kyle Lowry gone. Last season was a, a wreck. They played in Tampa. They were COVID blasted twice. I think they actually had it the worst. Didn't the Raptors have the worst? Well, it might have been Boston. Either way, those two teams were up there among the worst COVID situations in the NBA. Um, they're just going to win more ballgames this year because they're going to be better rested, so they're going to execute better. And the only fear with this team is injury, which always happens with Toronto. Siakam's hurt to start the year, so his return, we don't know exactly when that's going to be. Chris Boucher, probably out for a week or two to start the season. They, you know, but look, they've got enough weapons to compete every night. They're going to play hard. They're going to launch a ton of threes. There's going to be a big, there's a ton of variance in how things are going to end up for them. But they're going to be so happy to play at home. 
this year that I just I can't see them having another bad season. And those are my eight favorite season win total bets. And that's the Monday episode of Fantasy NBA. Today I talked a lot and I talked really fast and this one actually kind of hurt my voice a little bit. Tomorrow we're going to talk to Aaron Bruski. The Hoop Ball 6 episode of Fantasy NBA Today comes tomorrow. And then opening night we'll also do our first uh, what to watch for tomorrow. Because games happen tomorrow. That's bonkers. This podcast brought to you by our buddies over at manscaped.com. Get a lawnmower 4.0. Use coupon code HOOPBALL20. Please do it, by the way. We'd love to have them back here for a full season. We got we to gotta move a couple of units this month of October. See how that goes. So uh, go check out their stuff. They got some good things. They've got some like $10, $15, $20 stuff too. You can also still get 20% off and free shipping on. You don't have to get the like $100 package. Although if you want to, that's fine. Get an early holiday present or just get something for yourself. Buy something now with the fantasy winnings we got for you last uh, May or pre-buy it because we're going to win again this year. I don't care. Once again, I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Love to talk to you over there. Tomorrow night, hey, first tweet storm back tomorrow night. That'll be fun. Uh, go check out the Hoopball Fantasy Pass. We'd love to see you premium subs over in Discord. Enjoy your Monday. Enjoy your D-bombs. Good luck in all your drafts tonight. And we will talk to you once again with Brew tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.